Welcome to MDA Insights, the podcast where we bring you the latest in training and development trends straight from the experts at MDA Training. delighted to have Robert Rubenstein back on our podcast. As the founder of the TBLI, Triple Bottom Line Investing Group, Robert brings unparalleled expertise to the discussion on training and development for ESG and impact investing. With an awe-inspiring track record of influencing over $50 trillion in assets and directing nearly $1.3 trillion in investments. We're excited to continue our conversation with him in episode 17. You know, you, you read a lot of, and hear a lot about ESG. And often, you know, we've had this conversation before, the G feels like the poor cousin in the mix. Yeah, yeah. Very you know, how, how do you, what do you, what's your thoughts on that? Do well, you it's, only like, you the poor cousin, it's only the poor cousin as long as they can keep getting away with stealing and, you know, making more money. Um, and, and, you know, making their fees. I remember when I started, people would say to me, you know, 25 years plus ago, so this is interesting, ESG. Robert, do you have research that shows there's no underperformance at best or an outperformance, sorry, underperformance at worst and outperformance at best? And I stupidly used to send the research because there was lots and lots of research. And then I finally had the aha moment, which we all ultimately have, and realized this was not about proof. This was about belief. And I looked at how much research was done on subprime collateralized debt obligation as a risk. Couldn't find it. I'm sure there's an obscure university somewhere in, in the outskirts of Aberdeen that did research. Okay, let's say it exists. Who read it? Nobody. How much money went into it? Everything. That's when I stopped sending the the research and only focused on trying to get the belief. Because that's such a good example that uh, the herd now, you know, uh, believes, oh, ESG is a moneymaker for us. But they don't believe that you should be using money to restore the social and environmental balance. Products should reflect their true cost. Um, people should pay their, you know, their fair share of taxes. It's a, it's an attitude, and we revere the billionaires as if they did everything. They, you know, they built the building themselves. They they, they hammered all the walls and then put in all the cement and that. And it's it's just you know that. And of course, most are happy with the situation. They're doing well until they're not doing well, and then they jump, you know, to the to the next thing. I'm still very confident that ultimately the money flows and the opportunities, there's lots of opportunities here, it's just not a simple infrastructure for illiquid investments for retail investors or even institutional investors to easily find that. Because these platforms or impact, they don't work. You still need Yenta, the matchmaker, the trusted intermediary to say, Paul, you know, you should take a look at this. I think it might be of interest to you. Um, so, yes, the situation is not good, 
people are we are not restoring the social balance we don't have to worry about the the anti-woke attacks in the u.s it's a joke um but we do have to be get policy in place that products reflect the true cost and actually convince people that you can achieve a market rate return whatever that is uh but maybe not 30 percent you know uh if you've got that 200 billion do you need 220 billion Robert, your your enthusiasm is all pervasive, and we are running out of time. So let me just ask you this this one question: You have let's imagine you have access. You have access to a new generation of asset managers, uh, and you're talking perhaps to um, a learning and development um, team. What would you say? Give, Give your 30 second pitch as to why ESG is prescient, it's real, it's critical, and we have to act right now in the right way. Well, it's it's always been, we've never said anything different in the last 25 years. I was surprised. I wish that somebody would come up with a logical reason not to do sustainability. I've never heard one, ever, ever. So, you know, basically, if you look at it, looking at all of the issues, environmental, social governance, those companies that are very great to work at and have great HRM policies spend far less money in hiring the best and the brightest, keeping them or bringing the new staff up to speed from the, the team that left. So you're already earning money there. If you're very environmentally focused on energy and waste and resource use, you spend far less money on using stuff, buying stuff, using energy, waste, processing waste, water, which means you're also more profitable. So if you're looking at those things, you know, if you're maintaining or improving the social environmental balance, you are very, very energy efficient and you have a great social policy, which um, translates into more profitability. It's not really that complex. It says that people want to make it complex the financial sector always wants to make you look stupid. Paul, you don't understand this. You got to leave it to the pros. You know, what are the what are the financial sector? They're just used car salesmen with Rolodexes. That's all they are. They're not geniuses. Uh, they just want you to feel they are. So people need to push back and people have to decide, you know, like in Ocean's 11, are you in or you're out? Do you want to have your money work toward improving the social environmental balance and be very critical of what people are saying because all these climate tech funds are not addressing climate they should put on a maga hat and say i don't give a shit i am focused on dying rich as quickly as possible because i'm chasing unicorns and ultimately that comes down to behaviors here yeah you know you think about we're in a game you know as a training company to try and change behaviors in an organization um, well, it's not really that that hard. The access is hard because yeah. they they see the money flows are going in this direction, yeah. and there's already some pushback. You know that it's not doing what you're saying. So, what is the alternative that you can protect your clients' money and have a social environmental uh, improvement in the balance? But you have to first find out. A lot of the wealth managers just don't want their clients 
to invest in that because they don't have the product, which means if they don't have the product, the money comes out of the account and their assets under management go down and their fees go down. Yeah. That's the thinking of a lot of them. Yeah. So they're not working in the interest of the client, but uh, ultimately some are and they will win. Um, because, you know, most of the banks have no future. You, you know, use the bank for cash management. That's your phone. You don't need to go to the bank. Yeah. Um, so their their future is is not rosy other than the, the wealth management. And if they really, if they want to wait until everybody's asking, you know, for a sustainable investment, nobody asked Steve Jobs, hey, Steve, you know, you should make the iPhone. That would be a really cool idea. If you're going to wait until they're going to ask you, you're in bad shape. And that's unfortunately the financial sector um, doesn't really want to make the commitment. Why is it that ESG and impact is so important? If true, why is it that no single major private bank dominates the market? Not one. JP, none of them. Why? Because none of them want to commit the resources to show to really build up the internal external awareness and they don't want to be seen as the impact bank but they don't want to be not seen as the impact bank yeah. so they they don't want to commit you know they like, all say the same thing so you read all these different banks you read the es they all say the same thing you would yeah. get one from the other no, are there exactly. any institutions you take it away from the you know the, the real big institutions are there any institutions that stand out to you yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there's, there's quite a there's, there's quite a few. I think ASN Bank. Uh, unfortunately, it's only everything is in Dutch. It's a Dutch bank. Yeah, it's very serious. And I've I, I was contacted by a very wealthy ship owner in in Asia, with like seven thousand ships. They're the yeah. largest coal importer in China, and he said we want to move completely away from that. And you know, want to put in serious money and really kind of make this fundamental change. So there are people realizing that once they realize that the direction that they're going is just a death march in the wrong direction, yeah. and there is no future for them. Carbon will be a cost, and if you want to wait until it gets to 120 euro overnight because there's panic on all the governments. You know, governments have shown they can work quickly when they need to. You know, we've seen the pandemic, we've seen the financial crisis. And that will happen also with the climate crisis. And the problem is, until now, no one is really suffering in positions of power. You know, maybe some islands in the South Pacific are disappearing, but they have no influence or power. Yes. So only when we really start to suffer, seriously suffer, and financially suffer will action be taken unfortunately i'm not that optimistic in the short term i am in the long term yeah because we almost need a crisis to change and if ever there was a statement of belief uh, it's that robert yeah. thank you your enthusiasm is absolutely endemic absolutely. thank you so much for joining My us pleasure. i'm happy to help anytime just let me know it's absolutely absolute and i'm sure we will talk again because we haven't even started talking about carbon offsets we haven't even started talking about <laughs> some really critical poor measures but robert we look forward to seeing you in another podcast soon. thank so, you for okay. this opportunity you stay well keep thank the faith so much, getting there That's all for today's episode of MDA Insights. At MDA Training, we take a unique approach to training and development. 
we don't just focus on the theory, we focus on real world application of that theory. We work with our clients to understand their specific needs and design experiential training solutions to meet those needs. But it's not just about the training. We work with our clients to help them achieve measurable results and create real behavior change in the workplace. We hope you found this information valuable from our podcast today. If you did, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. We'll be back next week with more insights and expert advice. Thanks for listening.